Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Chris Dupre. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Good morning, good morning. What's up, Paul? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Good, good. How's that rash? It's good. <laughs> Almost gone. Well, God bless you, Allie. <laughs> Sorry. My apologies to everyone who's listening to this. Uh, to those online, greetings. Happy Father's Day to you. <clears throat> um, so my... My Wednesday was, I, I finished up this whole message, um, working on it for a number of days, finished up on Tuesday, Wednesday came in, felt really good, I've got everything done, I'm just going to go over it, and I took it out, I looked at it, and, and wouldn't you know, God, he just comes along and says, that's a nice message for next week. I said, well, Lord, I have to leave early Thursday morning. I just came back from Rochester, New York. I, uh, a friend passed away. And, and so I said, I'm leaving early Thursday morning. He said, well, we've got time today then, don't we? <laughs> so this is, this is fresh off the hopper. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, let, me, you know, let me see the dads again. Dads, stand up, would you? Before we had everybody standing, and dads were just kind of raising their hand, you can't see them. Look at all these guys. This is awesome. Uh, let me ask you a question, Dad. Uh, for, and if you, if you answer, yeah, Keith, you should probably stand. <laughs> <laughs> Unless all those girls aren't your kids. Uh, um, <clears throat> How many of you, if you felt, before you became a father, if you felt, I'm going to be an absolute great father, and you had no worries at all, sit down. Okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? Yeah, you, you get the smallest piece of whatever that you have to put together for your child's Christmas or birthday. And it comes with instructions in English, French, German, Italian, everything else. Uh, and then your kid pops out and there's nothing. It's like, what, what do I do? Uh... I'm not ready. No, you're not. Um, so Father's Day brings with it all sorts of mixed feelings. I, I felt I wouldn't be a good dad. <clears throat> I'll just, just saying it because my father was abusive. And so I thought, well, for sure, that's, that's, I'm going to pass that on. That's going to be my heritage. I'm going to be verbally and physically abusive um, to my children. Therefore, I probably should not have children. Um, Anybody else? Come on. Is anybody else there? Yeah. We got a few. Thank you. You just kind of wonder, what, what's it going to be like for me? I know what it was like to be fathered, and, and uh, <clears throat> it, it wasn't great on a lot of levels, so I didn't have the example that my buddy Tom had. My buddy Tom had an amazing father. He was just as, as gracious and kind, had a really um, wonderful work, worth ethic, uh, had a farm, 
they worked the farm, they worked their cattle, um, uh, and I, I did not, I did not, when I visited him, I saw things I never saw. Um, and so here we are on Father's Day, and some of you are going, this is a painful day. I know Mother's Day is, is, is similar in a sense, it's a beautiful day to celebrate, but there's also some pain involved in that. So I don't want to dismiss that. One, one of the things I don't want to do, it is not my goal today to tell men and fathers what they're doing wrong. Is that okay? This is, I've, I've seen this over and over again on Father's Day, that this is the day that a pastor gets permission to tell you how horrible you are and what you should be doing as a father and what you're not doing as a father. And then on Father's Day, you walk out and somebody says, Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Screw Father's Day. <laughs> I told Caleb, yeah, I can hear your amens today. I don't know what's going to come out of his mouth today. It's just... Malachi 4.6 says this, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's my goal today. That's, that's it. That, that, that's my goal today, is, is that somehow there'd be a turning of sons and daughters to their father and their fathers to their sons and to their daughters. You can't go back. I cannot go back and change what was. But I can change what is and what will be. And so my heart today, I'll just be honest with you, I just have a bunch of stories I have a bunch of stories I want to share, little tidbits, hopefully, of some God download truth attached to, to each one. But it's not the stories so much of the fathers, it's the stories of those that have been fathered. And so, so I, on Wednesday, I said, okay, Lord, so what's the deal? Um, I have this word that you will probably change next week, too. So I have this word that was, I thought was, was really good for Father's Day. And he says, it's good for my day. Which I knew what he meant by that, which was the father. But he wanted to zero in on men this morning. He wanted to zero in on fathers, those that will be fathers, those that think they're terrible fathers, those that think they're pretty good fathers, of ways of bringing that into a legacy in your life. Oh, there's so much we get from having a father. There's father's wisdom. This is one of my favorite dad jokes. Now, come on. Who doesn't love a good dad joke? Who hates dad jokes? <laughs> She's right back there. <laughs> okay, I totally understand. This next one is right up there with dad jokes. Dead jeans. You know the jeans I'm talking about that have, have more unused stuff back here? It just kind of, you can put a bowling ball and no one would notice. <laughs> yes, wow. <laughs> a father's protection. I love that. Years ago, my daughter. Was in, uh, she was in high school back in Kansas City, and she, had, she was new to the school, and she had just left a school that went from, it went to a 
senior, but they, they stopped it and cut off the high school and we just had the K through eight. And so she stopped at eighth grade and went to this new school, but had all these friends that she'd had. And the school that she was in decided to take all the kids to a Kansas City Royals game, which I'm, you know, I'm, I apologize to them for having to sit out of Kansas City Royals game. But anyway, the, the kids from the old school were there. And so she went over and they saw each other and they were hugging each other and this and that. Well, the new school had what she didn't know was the uh, six-inch rule. It was a, a Christian school that, you know, you actually it was probably like the six-foot rule, um, how they had it. And so she got scolded and was going to get detention. Well, that's all I needed to hear. Um, she was greeting her friends, and so I, I paid a visit to the school, um, a very nice fatherly visit to the school, <laughs> and let them know that these were her, her friends and that, that it was a, a very um, natural, normal kind of a thing and that I had actually taught each of these kids. And um, <clears throat> there was some pushback, but I had pushback, and I didn't stop my pushback. Uh, Sometimes, dads, you just got to keep going. I wasn't mean. I was kind. But they realized that I, I wasn't going to move from my position, that my daughter was in a good place and it was right. And it was a good thing. And it's actually a fairly normal thing to say hi to people that you know and love. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> um, I understand better than most sometimes that it's hard to talk about your father's uh, I, I, there are so many different kinds of parents, so many different kinds of fathers that you had that are sitting in this room right now. And some of you are, are waiting, hoping that I, I don't, you know, call out that thing in you where you're missing it as a father. Well, the fact that you're continuing on, I, I want to give you credit. Keep going. You'll be imperfect until you die, but keep going. You'll not always do it right, but stay there. Be a present. Be ever present. That's the one thing that kids need, is to know that dad is present. There's indifferent fathers. There's absent fathers. They're absent because dad passed away or dad is just not there. Dad comes home, he sits down, puts the paper in front of him, doesn't say a word until he goes to bed, <clears throat> and which is... You know, don't stay up late. And then he's gone. There's just, you know, there's performance-oriented fathers. There are authoritarian fathers. Uh, there's abusive fathers. And then there's good fathers. One of the things that, that um, again, I, I don't want to talk about all that, that list. We actually did that one, one Sunday morning. And I want to do it again sometime. Well, we gathered um, <clears throat> down in the prayer room. Uh, for Sunday sessions, and we went through the different fathers that people had. And each, each time they had a, a father that acted a certain way, they stood, and we gathered around, and we prayed for them. And God brought some real freedom for some people, and it was really wonderful. Uh, we need to do that more often. We need to open up our hearts. We need to open up our lives. I went through this. I, you know, uh, here's, here's the thing. To do that honestly without a victim mentality is freedom. To live in it is death. Isn't this fun? We're having fun this morning. You were waiting for that joke, weren't you, in the beginning? It just, it never came. Yeah, I'm probably the joke this morning. 
that's what I was hoping you'd say. So that's what. <laughs> I'm not a joke. I just was. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. <clears throat> oh. How am I doing, Luke? That's a good father right there. It's a good man. Um, so I had some stories this morning. They're, uh, they're not hurtful stories, they're, but each story I want to give to you is a true story from a particular point of view. Some stories are short, some stories are longer, uh, but they're all true. And, and hopefully, my heart prayer coming into this is Malachi 4.6, that he's going to turn the hearts of the father to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Um, before we do that, are you ready for an activation? Do you know what an activation is? Who, who has no clue? I don't know. It's okay if you don't. Put, put your hand up if you don't understand what's an activation. Okay. There's a number. Good. It means something that's active. I know. I know. I'm brilliant. It's deep. All right, uh, some of you are going to love this. Some of you are going to hate me and walk out the door, but that's okay, because I'm saved. So this is what <laughs> this is what I'd like you to do. If you're if you're a father, I want you to stand again. Oh, Chris, we did this once. No, but we didn't do this. Are you ready? Okay. Now, if you are with, if you're with. Someone that just stood, I want you to raise your hand. Okay. Now I want you to get up and go over to that person that you're with. And if you're not with someone who's standing and you see someone standing all alone, I want you to go find them so that they're not standing all alone. If you know them, maybe you didn't come with them, but you know them. Okay. Repeat after me. I love you. No, oh my gosh. It sounded like I loathe you. Let's try that again. Okay. I love you. Oh, I love you too. Thank you. Again, I was, no. Okay. Now I want you to say this. I love you because. Now I want you to say it one more time to the person you're staying, to the man you're with, and then I want you to tell them why you love them. Say, I love you because. Oh, you're pathetic. <laughs> Tell them. Tell them why you love them. For those watching online, this is a moment of. <laughs> yeah. Talk to the person. Tell them why you love them. I'm watching. This is good. Some are better than others. Some don't know what to do. Wait a minute. This is a Sunday morning service. You're supposed to be preaching. No. It's about life. If you cannot tell someone in your life why you love them. And here's, okay, you can have a seat when you're done. Oh, some of you are going, thank God. That was horrible. I never want another activation in my life. <laughs> Here's the deal. This is, can I tell you something? 
This is what most men are going to hear today. Happy Father's Day. What the heck does that mean? Happy Father's Day. Happy Groundhog's Day. That's about the same thing as Happy Father's Day. Yeah. And that's all they'll hear. We need to hear more. I'm not needy. I'm not a victim. I don't live my life as a victim. But boy, when someone tells me, Happy Father's Day, Dad. And by the way, thank you for dot, dot, dot. I really appreciate dot, dot, dot. I love you because dot, dot. My heart just awakens. What's it awakened to? It awakens to become a better father. Your words to men make them better fathers. Make today a day where men rise up, where their hearts are enlarged, where their souls are encouraged. Ladies, kids, you have the power to do that to your fathers. Take advantage of it. Please don't just say, Happy Father's Day. Tell them why you're happy they're your father. And if you're not happy they're your father, then tell your heavenly father how much you love him and thank you for that man who gave me life. Find a way to pray into their lives so that their lives become more of who God created them to be. Thanks. You are right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's ready for some stories? Who likes stories? I like stories. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a little kid um, who uh, they kept his name. Um, off. They showed a picture, but they kept the name off, which is good, I guess. Dear God, thanks for giving me a daddy. You knew just what I needed. In case other kids need to know what daddies are like, I thought you'd like to know what I thought about the one you sent me. My dad knows everything. He can tie shoes and drive a car. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what they think of? Wow, he ties shoes and drives a car. Hopefully not at the same time. My dad is so smart, he knows where the wind goes after it blows through the trees. <laughs> I love that. Uh, my dad always forgives every time I mess up. My dad is loaded with patience, patience, and more patience. And just in case, keep it coming. <laughs> my dad has a real comfortable laugh. He's got a huge laugh. But you know about that, don't you? I love that one. Oh, my dad tells me everything about you and about your son, your friend, a kid. P.S. I almost left out the bad part or the big, the best part. My dad has real strong arms to catch me when I fall. And he says, you're exactly like that. Wow. Did you hear anything about a job or a title about what this man does? There's nothing about what this man does for a living. Except what he's decided to do for a living is to be a father. What you do for a living is different than what you do for work. 
You make a choice of which one is what you do for a living. Yeah. Come on. Preach. Come on. I am. I, 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 <laughs> I'm trying, man. <laughs> this is what I got to work with. So, you know. <laughs> While I'm drinking, Caleb, you go take it from here. <clears throat> I just love that. She, she talks about her dad, and who knows what he does for a living? He could be a millionaire. He could, he, who knows? But this is what she notices. And that's what I want to get from these stories today. Who notices us, and how do they notice us? How does our wife notice us as men? How do our children notice us as fathers? <clears throat> well, my father, is, he's, he's really great. He's got a great job. I don't see him much, but I hear he's got a great job. Wow. Well, I don't want to go down that road. I'd rather go down the road of what, what can we talk about that would inspire your heart to say, yes, I, I, so I got to shift something. Sometimes things just have to shift, and that's okay. <clears throat> a good dad makes godly decisions. A man carries a baby, or, yeah, a man carries a baby for nine months. <laughs> Let me just scratch that out. <laughs> a woman carries a baby for nine months, giving her an opportunity to grow content with her decision to parent a new member. She's connected, she feels the growth, she understands. She's a part of it. Men, on the other hand, continue their daily routine, pretty much unaffected by what's going on inside the womb. He's supportive and excited, but compared to mom, he's just an observer. Until delivery time. Then dad's world drastically changes and takes on new meaning. He looks into the face of the new life and his face with the realization, I am the father of this child. And they, they call that, there's a term for that. <laughs> I love it. It's called delivery room discovery. Men don't know their fathers until delivery room discovery. And they go, oh, dang. <laughs> I'm a dad. <laughs> I'm the father of this child. At this point, a good dad makes a decision. And I love this. He decides to become a father. I know that sounds silly. Of course he is. No, he sets up dominoes and decisions for the rest of his life to prioritize the fact that he's a father. Delivery room discoveries separate men into two categories. One is, oh, beautiful, I became a father. This is the one that my wife will take care of. Or, uh, delivery room Discovery, they find out, oh, wow, I'm a father. My life will change because of this child. And the thing is, <clears throat> uh, it's a daily decision to say, I'm a father. Every day, every day. <clears throat> Fathering is, is <laughs> let me put it this way. Fathering a child is not difficult. Some men say, well, I did my part. <laughs> Boy, that, that was going to bring laughter down the roof, but uh, I, I guess not, um, which is fine. But fathering a child is easy. 
It happens all the time. Being a father is very different. It's very different. It's the most important decision a man can make from that point on. In the book, there's a book by a gentleman named Paul Faulkner who's, who's pretty incredible. But listen to the title of this book. Achieving Success Without Failing Your Family. Isn't that a great title? That's a title that, that says, I, I'm going after something. I've got a, I've got a real goal. Uh, he describes the decisions of an insurance executive, and he's speaking at a businessman's convention. And this man uh, that he's talking about, he stressed the importance of being a father first. And he, oh, he suddenly saw his daughter in the audience in the middle of his speech. And he turned to his daughter and said, hey, sweetheart, do you remember the time I won the million-dollar sales award three years in a row? She goes, oh, no, I'm sorry, Dad, I don't. He said, that's okay, honey, that's okay. Do you remember the time that we went to Dairy Queen on our dates? She goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. And he turned to the audience to make the point that daughters don't remember if you sell a million dollars worth of insurance. They remember connections and dates. I want to just say, it's not too late. If you haven't dated your son or daughter, I know it's a, well, dated your son, yeah. You go to a ball game, you do, you do something, you find out what they love and you do it. Yeah, but I don't have time. Ah! You made the delivery room decision to go left when you should have gone right. Who's going to die with the idea, I wish I had more meetings? Gosh, I wish I'd worked harder. Years ago, my daughter Katie um, was with some of her friends, and she had come in late one night, and she just scooted right past us and went down to her room. And so this is the first time I'd seen her. Um, I don't know where she was, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. And I, I said, in, with her friends, not even, I didn't even notice her friends. You know, I knew they were there, but I, I was intent on being the dad. I said, Katie, she took it to me and said, what? I said, you came in late last night. We need to talk about this. You cannot keep doing that. And all her friends just, you know, I was, I was Mr. Dupre, the nice guy. <laughs> and suddenly, I'm Mr. Dupre, the, the father that's going to deal with the situation. And so they all just shut up. And Katie went, okay, okay Dad. And I, I walked away, <clears throat> and... Short time later, you should have talked to her alone. You embarrassed your daughter in front of her friends. I said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, well, you're going to have to make that right. I said, but I, I, I'm speaking. I, it was a big conference. I was going to get up in, in a little while in front of 2,000 people and talk about the love of God. <laughs> Don't you just love it? So I'm there, and I'm talking. I get up there. And suddenly, Katie comes in and goes up into the bleachers with a couple of friends, with her friends. And she's there to listen to me. And Laura said, oh, there you go. Now's the time. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I I'll do this later one-on-one. -on -one. He goes, no. You embarrassed her in front of her friends. You need to tell her you're sorry in front of your friends. I said, Lord, but there's 2,000 people here. He goes, So? Okay. 
Katie, can you stand? She's like, what? Huh? Katie, I embarrass you in front of your friends. And to your friends, I say I'm sorry. But to you, I'm really sorry. And I just started to cry. I just told her, I'm so sorry. I should never have done that. I won't do that again. Can I tell you what happened to our relationship? When a father says, hey, I'm a bozo. And he knows he's a bozo. And he apologizes. Well, it just elevated our affection one for another. It brought our hearts into the same area. Oh, the promise to turn the father's hearts to the children and the children to their father. That's what this morning's about. That's my heart. Paul Harvey. Remember Paul Harvey? Okay, those over 40 remember Paul Harvey. I should say those over 50. <laughs> I'll get there sooner or later. Um, Paul Harvey was a guy that, that he would just come on the radio and say, good day. And he would tell this story that you never heard about. I remember one story was about this, this guy. He was a, a young man who would, who would go away from home uh, to earn money boxing because he loved to box. He wasn't the greatest boxer, but he earned money every time, whether he won or whether he didn't. And he'd always come home and his father would, would look at him and go, what's wrong with your face? He said, ah, I fell down out in the field today. You know, he'd be out working and get whatever it was away from the house, and then he'd take off. And his father kind of figured out after a while, he said, you're boxing, aren't you? Yeah. And, and he finally was able to stop him from boxing, sent the kid to school. He found out that in school he was funny, and his name was Lou Costello of Abbott and Costello. Isn't that bizarre? Well, that's Paul Harvey. He would tell all these kinds of stories. And so I loved it. And so this, this is a Paul Harvey story, which is great. Um, it's, it's in the For What It's Worth department. There was a gentleman named Gray Baker. He was a grandfather, lived in Jackson, Mississippi. He had taken his three-year-old grandson, Trevor, along as a companion because he loved to golf. He would always take his little Trevor along. Trevor would there. He'd be watching him. Trevor just loved his grandpa. And so suddenly... Uh, there was a uh, family cookout in the backyard, and Grandpa Gray Baker is there, and he brought the lad, and he had bought him a set of clubs, these little tiny clubs, and he's in the backyard swinging like this, and he says to everybody, hey, look, I love going golfing with Grandpa, and he's taught me how to golf. And everybody stops, and they're all looking, and he, he takes the club, he gets up near it, and he whiffs the ball, and he swears a blue streak and throws the club into the trees. You can see, just like grandpa. <laughs> They're watching us. They're watching us. For I've chosen Genesis 18, 19. I've chosen him that he will direct his children in his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, to do what's right and just, so the Lord will bring about what's been promised to him. Wow, I love that. And we see, we see the example in uh, the book of Esther. It's a beautiful story. There's this gorgeous Jewish girl who gets the eye of the king, Xerxes, and uh, uh, she was raised by Mordecai, 
who technically was not her father. Some translations put father, some put uncle. The word uncle uh, in, in Hebrew can really mean a whole bunch of things. It could mean cousin, it could mean uh, fatherly friend, that kind of a thing. So, he, But he raised her as his niece, and he raised her like a daughter. So he, she's, she's the place of the daughter, and he's the place of the father. And, and because of her beauty and because of who she was and how she stood before the king, Esther ends up becoming the queen of Persia. So we know that there's, there's always got to be a bad guy, and Haman's the bad guy. And he, he wants to bring down not just her, he wants to bring down the entire Jewish population. So he, he sets up this elaborate scheme to do that. Um, I don't want to go into it now, but it, it really has to go around the fact that, that Mordecai was not going to bow because he only bowed before the king. Haman helps this law to be passed that's not just for Mordecai, but for all the Jews. And at this point in time, all the Jews are about ready to be destroyed because of Haman's jealousy and his greed, etc. Um, <clears throat> Mordecai comes to Esther to plead to the king. Now, you didn't even come into the king's presence. If, he, if you came into the king's presence without him knowing that you're there, it didn't matter who you were. He could, in an instant, say, you're dead. And so he says to Esther, he says, listen, you've been chosen queen for such a time as this. For such a time as this. And I don't know what kind of man he was. I, I, I know a bit about him. Uh, but we didn't live day to day with him. But here's the deal. At that point in time, Esther has to decide, do I stand before the king and will I die? And she makes this comment that she says, if I die, I die. That statement is not made in silence. That statement is made because of the character of this father. She trusts him enough to know that he will lead her in good places. And that if, if for some reason something happens, if I die, I die. But she takes this trust in this man who's such a good man, a godly man, a man who won't bow to anything else but the Lord God himself. And I read this story and I look and I go, wow. Do I have the equity that someone would trust me with something that is dangerous? But they look at me and go, Chris, I trust you. Your heart's right. I want to be the kind of father that my kids and my extended children, I, I've got a, a list of sons and daughters from days gone by for many generations and many decades that, that I'm Papa, I'm Dad. But I, I want to end well. Years ago, we had a prophetic gentleman that came to our church. You might have heard him, his name Bill Hammond. Bill came to our church years ago, back in the 80s, when I was three. No, I wasn't. I was married with, I don't know, by that time, two or three kids. And, and I decided that I did not want to be called out by a prophet. So I, I always sat towards the front. I was a worship leader, and, and when I get done, I'd sit with my wife towards the front. By the way, that is my gorgeous wife over there in the corner. I'm sorry, I just have to say... Yeah, she's just. Yeah, we just had our 45th anniversary. She's awesome. And so, <clears throat> the 
This is fun. I'll just keep saying things and you can clap for her. <laughs> She's got great teeth. So, there we go. Her face is turning red as we speak. Yo, there we go. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, she's going to kill me. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. You're happy that she's going to kill me? Caleb, thank you very much. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. So he comes, and I decided I'm going to hide. So it's the 80s, so I went halfway back, went into the middle of the row behind this woman with big 80s hair. <laughs> Ladies, do you remember what 80s looked like? Remember the tees? It just would tease in all sorts of directions. So I'm, I'm behind this lady, and it's like, oh, this is great. He'll never find me. Sure enough, halfway down, he's talking. He's up here. He goes, wait a minute. And then he just walks down, stops at my row, looks at me, he goes, you. Come here. I go, oh, great. I tried to hide behind hair, and it didn't work. And he pulls me out into the, into the middle, in the aisle. He goes, um, as soon as I saw you, the Lord said, you're going to be a king in my kingdom. I went, oh. He said, but the question is, will you be David or will you be Saul? I went, oh, God. I do not want to be Saul. And yet I've seen some wonderful Davids turn into Sauls over the years. There's one particular man that I know that was a Bible teacher for years. He was the guy that, man, everybody wanted to know the word like him, just the integrity, etc. And he ended up, what he's remembered by from those of us who were there, would be an absolute inappropriate situation with person. Brought him out of ministry, and he stayed out of ministry and died not long after. I went, oh, God, I, I don't, I don't, I want to finish well. Fathers, your job is never over when they're 18. You keep fathering. You keep loving. You keep supporting. I thought, I had this foolish thought that once they're 18, I wouldn't have to spend any more money on them. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, just, I don't know what made me think that, but uh, I spend more money now than ever. <laughs> That's to encourage you, for those who have small kids. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Wisdom in savings. But I look, at, I look at Esther and she, and I get back to this, she trusted him. She trusted her father. He was her father. I want, I want that trust to be there for others. I, I can't do everything for others, but I want there to be in my life something that says, I trust him. I trust him with this word. I trust him with this thought. I trust him uh, that, that he'll be there when I need him to talk to, when I need whatever. I, I want that. I want that especially for my kids. They always say crisis develops character, you know, in, in terms of Esther. No, crisis reveals character. It doesn't, it, it, crisis can't develop character. It can put you in a situation where it shows who you really are. 
It's really funny. If you really boil it down, a father saved Israel. Wow. Have you noticed time as you get older seems to go by faster? When I was a kid, I just remember I was uh, eight or nine years old and summer came and and, uh, I was over at my friend Ricky's house. Ricky and Randy, twins. And so I was over... Ricky and I were listening to the Beatles because that's what we did. We also made guitars just like Beatle guitars, put strings on them, put a record player out in the front yard, stood in front with four of us playing their songs with popcorn and lemonade, trying to get people to stop and buy popcorn and lemonade. <laughs> I playing all the Beatles songs from Meet the Beatles, the first album that was in the States. No one ever stopped. We drank lemonade and ate the popcorn. <laughs> Turns out we were not the Beatles. But I was over to his house one day, and it was towards the end of summer, and uh, his mother came into the room where we were, and she goes, well, you've had a good summer? Yep, I'm sorry, guys, but you only got two more weeks of summer. We looked at each other and said, like, only two weeks? That's like a lifetime when you're eight years old. Two weeks. Now it's like, Chris, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to be done in two years. Two years? That's like two weeks. The days last forever, and the years go by in a flash. That's how it is now. Some days, oh, this day is lasting forever. I can't believe how fast the last year went. It's 365 slow days. And one year is so fast. And it just goes by so fast. I say this because last night I was driving back from Rochester, New York. A dear friend passed away. She was on my worship team years ago. She kind of took over when I moved away, mentored so many people, such a wonderful heart. And so I'm there for the memorial service And I came down that morning, and my brother and sister are standing there, and they're looking at me, and I'm going, what? What's going on? And they went, Larry passed away this morning. Larry's another friend of mine. It's like, I've known Larry since the 70s. I said, Larry passed away? He just got out of the hospital. He looked great. I know. She walked into the room, found him asleep. He died while he was sleeping. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Beth was young. Larry was not old. I'm on my way home. I get a buzz on my phone. I hit it. My sister says, Chris, please pray for Betty. Betty is another friend we've known for years and years. Her son just drowned. Chris, why would you bring this up on Father's Day? Because we don't have that much time to love well. You miss today to tell your father or to tell your son, if you have the chance, say the words that need to be said. Days go by slow, but years go by really fast. A young man's memory. This is a little longer one. Hang in there. For 31 years, I had a father who was one of the best, but now he's gone. He's buried under an oak tree in a West Texas cemetery. But his presence is very, very near. 
It seems strange that he's not here. I guess that's because he was never gone. He was always close by. He was always available. He was always present. His words, well, they were nothing novel. His achievements, though admirable, were not extraordinary. But his presence was. Like a warm fireplace in a large house, he was a source of comfort. Like a sturdy porch swing or a big branched elm in the backyard, he could always be found and he could always be leaned upon. Dad was that part of my life that was predictable. Girlfriends came and girlfriends went, but Dad was there. Football season turned into baseball season and then turned back into football season, and again, Dad was there. Summer vacation, homecoming Dates, algebra, first car, driveway basketball, they all had one thing in common, my father and his presence. And because he was there, things moved along. The car always seemed to run. The bills always got paid. Somehow the lawn always stayed mowed. He was there. His laughter was fresh and my future was therefore secure. Because he was there, my growing up was what God intended. It was kind of like a beautiful mystery in this world. We never worried about things like income tax, savings accounts, monthly bills or mortgages. Those were the things that were on dad's desk. We have lots of family pictures without him. Not because he wasn't there, because he always had the camera. He made decisions, broke up fights, chuckled at Archie Bunker, read the paper, fixed breakfast. He didn't do anything unusual. He just did what dads were supposed to do. He was there. He taught me how to shave. He taught me how to pray. He helped me memorize verses for Sunday school and taught me that wrong will have consequences and that rightness has its own reward. He modeled the importance of getting up early and staying out of debt. There was an amazing balance between ambition and self-acceptance. When I smell Old Spice aftershave, I think of him. That dates everything right there. When I see a bass boat, I see his face. Occasionally, not too often, but occasionally, I hear a good joke, the kind that Red Skelton would tell. I hear him laughing in the background. He had a chuckle that came with a wide grin and arched eyebrows. My dad never said a word to me about sex, and he never told me his life story, but I knew if I ever wanted to know or ask him, he would tell me. That's all I had to do was ask. I never knew. And I knew if I ever needed him, he would be there, just like a warm fireplace. Fathers, be available. Be present. Let me just say one thing, and this is important. Dads, if you have an anger problem that manifests itself verbally or physically, get help. There are people that can help you. Your children should not be growing up in a verbally or physically abusive situation. Your wife should not be in that situation. I won't go into the psychology of how it affects children, but it does in a deep level. Fathers, in, intentional affection. If your affection is only because something comes towards you, kids think that they have to do something to get it. I want to give you permission to go out of your way and to be obnoxious with your affection. 
I share the story with how my dad, when he passed away, he was abusive. We got reconciled. I gave him what I call, I use the term, the gift of forgiveness. I gave him forgiveness without saying anything it was attached to, that I just forgive you and I love you. Our relationship was mended, it was healed. That went on for another eight to 10 years. And when he went in for surgery, I took him down and his, his wife was there. It's not my mom, he had remarried. She was at the head of the, uh, and I was by his side. And he kissed her goodbye, but she didn't move. So I, I had to lean over this stainless steel metal bar that was there keeping him in. And I leaned over and I gave him a handshake. I said, love you, Dad. Sorry if you've heard this before, but I just have to say it again. I said, love you, Dad. And he looked at me. And now we've had 10 years of hugging and kissing each other. And he looked at, he's holding my hand. He looks at the doctor. He goes, we don't do this. And one of them goes, well, what do you do? He goes, I'll show you. He leaned over the rail, grabbed my belt, pulled me in so that I had one foot dangling on the floor. He takes my head and he kisses my cheeks. He turns my head and goes, this is my son. He's great. I, I, I didn't know what to do. It's like, it's like Jesus coming out of the water. <laughs> This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> I felt like I came out of the water. And he starts to put me down. He goes, no, that's not enough. And I'm going, oh, no, more. And each time the bar is right under my rib cage, right there. And it's just, you know, I had all 112 pounds of me. Just... <laughs> <laughs> That made you laugh the loudest, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm there, and it's just leaning on this thing. It is killing me, but I, I want to act cool because I'm in front of all the doctors. So I'm like, ha, ha, ha. you know. This time he puts his hands on my cheeks. I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. When he had his hands on my chin and the back of my head, there's his whole face that he can kiss. But with my cheeks, there's, there's a landing strip. And he just takes me and I go, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> and he goes, mm, I love you. And he sets me down. And he turns and they start pushing him away. He gets about 10 feet away and he stops. Stop! And all the doctors stop and the nurses stop. And he goes, what's wrong, Mr. Dupre? He goes, turn the stretcher around. I can't see my son. So they turn the stretcher around. And now they're backing him up. And he goes, I went, no, 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 I love you more. And the nurse next to me is going, oh, this is really sweet. And he goes back and he goes, <clears throat> he reaches into his heart. <clears throat> He's pulled his heart out and he throws his heart at me and I catch it and I put it in my heart and I take out my heart. <clears throat> I throw, I throw it at him and he pretends I shot a bad shot and he goes, whoa. <laughs> he pulls it out of the air and pushes it into his heart and he gets to the elevator and he tells the girl, stop, stop. He goes, he kisses and he starts 
shooting love bullets at me. And I'm, you know, Matrix was not there yet. So I'm going, you know, like this. And I, I could go back further back then. You know, <laughs> I'm going like this. And, I, you know, I get all done. And, and the nurse next to me goes, is this how it's always been? I said, no, 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 no. It's not always been like this. And she's crying. And the other nurse is crying. I load up and I start shooting him and he starts flailing in the, in the, <laughs> the difference was I'm fully clothed. <laughs> she goes, oh, Mr. Dupre, oh, oh, let's not do that again. <laughs> and the elevator doors open. And they don't open like this. They open from one side to the other. So they pull them in like this. And as they start to close, he goes, mm, along with the door, kisses his thumb, puts it up in the air. My father passed away on the table. That's the last time I saw my dad. Intentional love. He went out of his way. My father empowered me to see the face of God by through his face. Through his love, through his arms, through his kisses, I know how God sees me. I know how God feels about me. I knew it before, but the depth of that moment, men intentionally giving affection will change someone's life, and it starts in your household. I love the Kents. They talk about revival in the household. Let revival happen. I have a short video that I want you to see I want to end on. Now, I'm just going to say, a <clears throat> um, number of you have probably seen this video. And it's going to start and you go, oh yeah, I know what this is. Uh, that's fine. I still want you to get everything this video has out of it. Because it speaks very clear to who the Father is and how we need to father. So go ahead.
Well, that was a sudden ending. <laughs> I still know, though. That's what fathers do. They get behind their kids. Didn't matter whether they're 2, 12, 22, or 44. That man, Mr. Holt, for year after year, he'd take his son, do triathlon after triathlon. He'd swim pulling his son. He'd bike, biking his son. And then he'd run 26, what, 0.2 miles? Is that what it is? With his son in front of him, pushing his son the entire way. And I know where that is in the Big Island. There's some, there's some nasty hills there. And yet this man did that. That's the essence, that's the heart of what we do as fathers. We get behind our kids, we push them, we love them. My favorite moment, though, is after the swim, he gets his son in the chair and he looks at him and that gaze of love and affection. I love my boy. Everything I'm going through right now, it's not about me and my pain. How's my boy? Are you okay? Just set your hand on your heart for a second. Lord, we don't need to be fathers to be caring. So I ask that you would give us hearts of intentional love. That on a Father's Day, that on a day like this where it's just easy to say Happy Father's Day, we would go beyond that. That there would be something released in our homes. Something released in our families, released in our hearts. To be able to truly say how we feel about the ones that are near us to those men that have passed, that we could redeem those things that were good from their lives, that like this boy, he lived through his father. Lord, thank you that you're such a good and gracious father. I ask for the grace for us as men to rise up and to be an inspirational story to those around us. I bless this wonderful group of people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.